Today I'm going to be talking about the uh, EKG. Now, I'm not a medical person. I have no idea what an EKG is, but I think it has something to do with what they test, like a heart or something like that. So am I right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I watch enough drama on TV. I, you know, give them the EKG. So here's the deal. We are the body of Christ, right? The church is the body of Christ. We need to make sure that our heart is healthy, right? And how do we do that? Well, if we're the body of Christ, we need to make sure that we have the heart of Christ. If we don't have the heart of Christ, then we're not going to be operating well. And so we need to look at what is the heart of God. And so we did this nice acrostic. We're going to engage the kingdom of God. That's how we know that we are operating well, that our heart is right as a church. Because if the heart's right, well, then we can start working, right? The heart's not right. We've got to make sure that that's kind of healthier, right? So let's take a look at what is the heart of God for us. Now, our verses today are going to be from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. You guys know that one. And Acts 1, 8, which is a parallel verse, kind of. It happened right before the ascension, before Jesus rose to heaven, which is a little different time. And his disciples have already gotten the commission, but they're wondering, where do I get the power to do this? And, and what's the timing? And Jesus clarifies that for them in Acts 1, 8. So let's get to it. This is our commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, and so we think about this as the church. Uh, what are we to do? What is the church about? Uh, when Jesus came, we call this the Great Commission because of all things that as we as Christians do, this is what should be the center of it. So it's like a mission statement for business, right? If they're, whatever their mission statement is, they do a lot of other things, but all those things need to help them complete their mission. It's the same thing here, almost more important. This is what we need to be about. This is the heart of Christ for us. He told his disciples, this is what I want you to do. Now, there's a lot of other things in the scriptures that say, how do I want you to do it? You know, how do I, who do I want you to be as you do it? How am I going to empower you? There's a lot of good teachings, but everything points to for us at this time. There's a reason why when you were Christian, when you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus didn't just zap you out of this world. Okay, because this is a broken world, right? And you are now his child. And you think about, you love, you see kids, you love them, you're like, I'm not going to keep them in a very dangerous, awful place unless I have a purpose for them there. And God has a purpose for us. While we are here, this is what we're about, our commission. So it's not just our commission as individuals. We learned last week that God works through the church. This is our commission together. This is something that we are to do together. And as we learned a year ago, very, very vividly, it's not just our little congregation in Estes Park that does this. We are part of the larger church in Estes Park, right? We need to work together as the church to fulfill this commission. This is what we're about. So let's get to what does this commission have to say? Well, the main thing, if you look at it, it says make disciples. You look in the Greek, that is the, that is the one verse, one verb there that is actually um, your, your imperative. The other ones, go, baptize, and teach, those all support they, that's how Jesus is explaining. What does it mean to make disciples? He tells his disciples, what does it mean? He says, do this. I want you to make disciples. That's the, that's the key thing. How do you do that? And he says, well, the first thing you need to do is go, which is powerful because oftentimes we can become lazy and we tell people, come. <laughs> right? But that's not what Jesus said. The very first thing he says is go. And he talks about it in a very very strong terms. He says, go to all the nations. Now, remember, this is a Jewish Messiah talking to Jewish disciples. 
for, for a very long time, they had been set apart, separated, not all the nations. And Jesus says, now it is time. Go to all the nations. Now, he's not talking about political entities. Okay? The ploids means all the different, uh, all different nationalities. Right? All the different kinds of people. It's really what he's talking about. And so, that could be somebody from another culture. It also could be somebody across the street. If it is a human being, they need to be reached. That's what he's saying. So go. And so as a church, our commission prompts us, tells us, we need to be a church on the move. We have to be going. We can't be sitting. We can't just be throwing invitations. We also need to be going. And we'll talk about some strategy, how we're going to do that. But that's part of it. Baptize. That's an interesting one. He throws that in there. Why baptize? Well, we find in the New Testament, the disciples talk about this. They say, when somebody goes through conversion, right? When they go from the point of being an enemy to God to a child of God. There's a, there is, it is by grace through faith that that conversion takes place, right? That's how we are saved. But there are things that God wants us to do by faith. Ways he wants us to express that faith. And so there are things that he wants us to do like believe. Believing is an act of faith because will you know for certain everything that God tells you is true all the time? No. I mean, that's a lot of the Christian life where, you, where our experience is so small, we don't see the whole work of God. We're just seeing a small portion of it. And, and there are times where that little portion that we see doesn't show his goodness or his kindness or his strength or his power. Sometimes we go through scary times. David wrote about this. All, you read the Psalms. There are a lot of times in the Psalms, David's like, where are you, God? <laughs> But he always ends with, I'm going to live by faith. And then God comes through, right? Because we have this little tiny perspective and God has a much bigger one. And God is God. But we have to believe at times. And so part of the believing is trusting God when he says, I'm going to save you. And there are times in our life where our own hearts condemn us, right? Where, where I know what I've done is wrong. But that's why in First John it says that God is greater than our hearts, right? So even when our hearts condemn us. We know that we are saved. That's belief. That's an expression. It's an act of the mind that we do by faith. It's not that I believe this why I'm saved. It's because I have faith. I'm trusting God and I'm making my mind conform to what he says is true. So I'm going to trust him even with the times where I have doubt. Belief. There are things that also think Jesus wants us to do that we're called New Testament to express our faith. Part of that is to repent. And repentance means that I am not living like I'm the boss of my life anymore. I'm living like God's the boss of my life now. And it goes back to Eden where our moral compass got skewed, where everybody had the right or the ability to make up their own standards of right and wrong. And look how wonderfully that's working out for us. And then we say to God, okay, I, I know that I have this ability, but it's not a very good ability. <laughs> and it messes things up. And so I'm going to trust you, God, for what you say is right and wrong. I'm going to live like you're my boss. That takes faith. Because there are times in our lives we don't see God right there. Or we, don't, we don't agree with him. There are things that God's going to tell us to do or things that God says this is right that are going to run counter to what my ethical standard would say it is. But if I repent, it says I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to trust that you actually are right. That's an act of faith. Now, I'm not saved by my repentance. If I had no faith and I just trust, if I said, well, the Bible seems like it's got a lot of wisdom, so I'm going to trust it, but I don't believe God. Well, I'm just a religious person. I'll be a very, very good, upstanding person, but I will not be saved because there's no faith there. Right? It is faith that we repent. 
But there's also confession. Confession means that we stand with God. We, we identify with him. Right? It often talks about that we use our mouths. Right? When somebody asks you, are you a follower of Jesus? You say, yes. And Jesus even said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father. If you, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. Right? So it matters that we stand with, we identify with him. But it's so much more than just magic words. Right? So much more. How we live, how we act, what we say, are we identifying with Jesus? Are we saying, I am his follower? I'm not perfect, but I'm with him. That's what it, we're told to do. And that's an act of faith. If I have no faith and I just, if I just want to want like a get out of jail free card, just out of, you know, I don't believe that Jesus is really there, but just in case I'm going to say, I believe in Jesus, will I be saved? No. My confession has to be an act of faith. Right? Now, here's an interesting thing with all of those things. Belief. Is belief a one-time event? No. We've got to keep believing in Jesus, right? We've got to keep trusting that his word is there. How about, how about uh, repentance? Do you just repent once? No. Repentance is ongoing. It's an ongoing act of faith. I do it every single day. Uh, how about confession? Is confession like a one-time deal? Like, oh, I confessed you know, 25 years ago. I'm good. No, we stand with Jesus all the time by faith. And there are times because of that I do it really well. And there are times because of that I don't do so well. And it's at those times where I don't do that so well that the enemy and myself, will con- that's when my heart condemns me and says, are you really saved? Are you really a follower of Jesus? Right? You, you, you haven't, you're not acting really repentant right now or you didn't really stand with Christ the way that you should have. Or you're not trusting him in this, am I saved? Of course I am. I'm saved by grace through faith. But I know that my heart will condemn me. Which I think is one of, maybe it's why, God doesn't tell us this is why, but maybe it's why he gave us baptism. Because baptism is one of those one-time events, right? You don't, luckily, it's not like every day you're like, baptized, okay, let's go off to work, right? It's one of those one-time things. But being baptized was in the conversion process for the, for the new Christians. It was the event where people said, I see in your baptism, I see belief. You're doing this because you trust God. You are, you are identifying with him in his death, his burial, his resurrection. You are trusting him. I see in your baptism that you are repenting because you wouldn't do this on your own, right? Otherwise, your only reason you're doing this is because God asked you to do it. <laughs> I see in your baptism that you are confessing. You are identifying with Jesus. It is one of those things where it's an act of faith. If you are baptized without faith, are you saved? No. That's the most ridiculous thing. Right? That would, be, that would make no sense. Right? You're just taking an awkward bath. Right? But, but if you have faith, it is that, it is that point. As Jesus is making disciples. He says, listen, you need to go out to them, but you don't just go to people and be nice. You're not a social club. You're not, you're not a good works club. You're going with a mission. You're bringing them faith. That's what he's talking about. And he says, I want, you to, I want to see them have all of the faith. I want them to express this. And so we see that in baptism as, you know, but it's not, it's not like Jesus says, okay, now go and just like, like I don't know if you saw this movie, uh, Nacho Libre. And he was so worried about his, his friend who wasn't baptized. And so he takes a plate of water and just like, boom, throws his face in there before he goes into like a, a wrestling match or whatever. It's kind of funny, you know, <laughs> no faith or whatever. That's not what he's talking about. You know, we're not supposed to be going out just baptizing everybody. He wants us to bring people to faith. And that shows us that there's, there's something that we're to be doing, 
right? As we're in the world, there's a way that we're to be living. There's a message we're to be giving, right? So we can help people come to God's grace through faith. So that brings them to the point of belief and, and, and repentance and confession and baptism. But I love this. He doesn't stop there. Because if we stop there, we've been so much like, unfortunately, the church has been for too long. Where we're, we're, we're looking at conversions. That's all we want. Uh, we want more conversions so we can get more people in our seats so you know, we can buy bigger buildings or something. I, I don't know what the poor purpose of that is. Because the more time you get more people, if, that's, if they're not being sanctified, you just have more problems. He doesn't say just go baptize and teach, he says. Teach these new disciples to obey all the, the commands I've given you. Teach. Now, it's not tell. It's teach. Which means that if you're going to teach somebody something, it's not just giving them, Jesus said to do this and this and that. It doesn't teach them how to do it. Jesus says, uh, don't hate your, your, your enemies. How on earth... Am I supposed to not hate my enemies? That's what you do with enemies, right? How do I not hate them? How do I love them? To be taught, you need somebody who's doing it that can show you, right? That's how we teach. And then, of course, we find the New Testament. We found a couple weeks ago, what is the greatest command that he wants us to? Love God with everything, but also to love others. If we can do this, I mean, we're right on time. This is making disciples. Making disciples one-on-one. This is what we're about. We have to go. We have to bring people to faith. We have to baptize. We have to teach. Right? That is what our church, this is our commission. This is what we're about. Okay. So, let's talk about this, our community. This is the community that we live in. Estes Park. Right? The Estes Valley. Okay? Is everybody in the Estes Valley, have they been reached? Is everybody know Jesus? Right? Uh, have we taught our community very, uh, you know, thoroughly that everybody in our community knows how to obey Jesus in all things? No. Now, in fact, we, you know, it's, it's pretty sad where we're at. I mean, right now, on any given Sunday, 10% of our community is sitting in a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. 10%. But we know, out of experience, that any given Sunday, half of the congregation is going to show up. Right? That's just, that's reality. So we would say in any given sun, or in Estes Park, about 20% of our community is being taught, is being discipled, is being reached effectively. What about the other 80%? Well, sure, that some of those 80%, they've, uh, they've heard, right? It's like uh, Jesus gave this parable of the, of the sower, right? The, the guy, the farmer that goes and sows seed, and the seed flies everywhere because he's got bad aim or something, and some of it lands on the path, Right? There were people in our community, the gospel landed on the path, and, and the hardship of their, of their hearts or life or the devil or whatever stole the gospel. And that, we have people in our community like that. And we have people in our community that's like the, the, the gospel landed in, in, in rocky soil. And they first heard it at some point in their life, and it made sense, and then the hardships of life hit, and their faith dried up. And so now they're sitting somewhere else, alienated from the church, because their faith didn't have roots. And there are other people... Uh, that the, it, it flew into the weeds, right? And, and, and so they, the gospel made sense to them. It took root. And then the busyness of life, the craziness of the schedules came and choked out their faith. And so right now they're, they're running the rat race and they have no time for God and they don't realize that their souls are rotting. And, and of course, there are some in our community that have heard the gospel and it has taken root and it's growing. 
and is supposed to, according to the parable, produce a big harvest. Right? Now, obviously, there's other people in a community that the seed has never reached. And we don't know who those people are. Now, here's the thing. And I love this. You can replant a field. Uh, there are times in a person's life that maybe their, their, their heart is hard. Their heart is hard. And they weren't receptive to the gospel. And maybe somebody shared it with them and they weren't ready. And it was stolen. You know what? God can work on that person's heart. But we need to make sure we're going back and replanting the gospel. Because what does it matter if they have a soft heart if we're not sharing the gospel again with them? There are times in our lives that our, our, our hearts may have been rocky. And, and there may have been hardships and things in our lives that we didn't allow our faith to take root. But you know what? God can change hearts. He can change the condition of our hearts. Same thing with the weeds. I mean, we can go back and replant. And it is our mission not to judge the field and say, you're bad soil. It is our job to spread the gospel, to go. And we don't know who has been reached, but we know this. Until every person at this park lays their head down on their bed at night, knowing there's a God who loves them, who he is, why he came, what Jesus did for them, and how to be saved, we cannot rest. It is not right for us to enjoy these riches and this goodness of God without and keep it all to ourselves. That is our community. And so let's talk about our commitment then. It's to saturate the Estes Valley with the good news of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? If our commission is to go and to baptize and to teach, the very first step is we have to go. <laughs> and not just go do good works, but to go with a message to bring the good news of Jesus Christ so every single person in Estes Park can know that God loves them, that Jesus came for them, and He is God the Son, and He came to save them. And they can be saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Saturate every corner, every person. This, this, is, this is our commitment. As a church, this is the heartbeat of God, and so it must be our heartbeat. Jesus came so everybody could know. Right? Not everybody's going to choose to follow him, but everybody needs to know. And if there's people going on walking on the road to hell, let's make that road as hard as possible to stay on. All right? Let's put as many signposts in the way, let's put as many warnings to say, listen, there is a better way. There is a way of life. Okay? This is what we're about. Now, let's talk about our strategy. How are we going to do that? That's a very difficult thing. Right? We're sitting here today, our church has been here for about twenty years. And 20% of the community is reached. And we're thinking, how do we do this? How do we reach our community? What's our strategy? Well, it's a very simple strategy. Be disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. Think about it. It's brilliant because it didn't come from us. It's what Jesus did. Right? He had 12 nobodies that should have hated each other. Right? He had a tax collector at the same time as he had a zealot. Right? Those two should have literally killed each other. And they were there together working for the gospel. Right? He took, he took this, this, this community, this, these 12 guys, and he discipled them. He taught them to obey God, how to love God with everything, and how to love other people. That's what he did. It took him three years. Pretty intense three years. It took him three years, and it took him dying and coming back to life. And the proof that, but it, it took a lot. But those 12, in the course of a generation, 
I mean, these 12 who had no money and no influence, right? Nobody was supposed to listen to them. Those 12 spread the gospel to the four corners of the world. They broke down all kinds of barriers. I mean, within a generation, the gospel was, was already in Rome at the highest levels. And it was also in the prisons. And it was with the slaves. And it was in Africa and Asia and Europe. There's more than 12 of us here. Right? The gospel continues to grow. How do those 12 do it? They, they follow the same method. They went around. They went to different places. They brought people to faith. Then they taught them how to obey Jesus. That's our strategy. If it can reach the entire world in a generation, can you imagine what it would do for this Estes Valley with six to 10,000 people? And we've got more than 12. We've got like a head start. <laughs> that is a pretty solid strategy. Now let's talk about this then. Our success. Where does our success come from? And at the beginning of my message, I talked about the disciples before Jesus left. He answered a couple important questions for them. Now, they, were, they asked him, hey, when are you going to reveal your kingdom like Israel you know, to the world? Right? What they were saying is, when are you going to be you know, emperor and let us be your right-hand men and all that kind of stuff? And Jesus said, you know, it's, that's not for you to know, but I have a job for you to do. And you need to go out and you need to tell people. He gave them the commission. And so they're like, how <laughs> save the world? Wow, that's a, that's a tall order, Jesus. How are we going to do that? How are we going to be successful? Look at this. It says, right before Jesus leaves, too, right, this is the last thing he leaves them with. So Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go make disciples of all the nations. And, oh, this is actually not Acts 28. So he tells them all this, and he says this, Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. That's the power. If you think that you have the power to save our community, Got a surprise for you. You don't, right? Um, there's, when you go to a superhero movie, you, you know, it usually starts with the superhero being like this regular person, and they don't have superpowers, and so if they tried to save the world, they get beat up, and nothing happens. And then something happens in their life, like they get radiation or a spider bite or something like that, and, or you know, they get some kind of injection, you know, like super steroids, and all of a sudden they become like superhero, and then they can do these great things. Is so is like with us. The church, without Jesus, is just a group of people. But it isn't just a group of people. God is with us and in us. We are the body of Christ. And so he says this, I am with you always. The God who created all things can create salvation. Now this is what he talks about in Acts 1.8. He says this, but when, when you're going to do this is when he meets with his disciples and he tells them, you know, they're worried about how we're going to do this. You're going to leave. What are we going to do? And he says this, but you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? How are they going to? Where, is their, where does their power come from? God. See, this is the one thing that sets us apart from every other religion. One, well, two things. One, ours is real. It's true. <laughs> but because it's true, God is truly in us. Christianity is not this exercise of Christians trying to, people doing things for God. It is God doing things for people through us. It's the most phenomenal, amazing thing. And so we look at the Estes Valley, and you might think to yourself, there's no way we're going to reach them. Their hearts are too hard. 
they're so far, our culture is walking away from God and hates everything that he has to say. They don't even want to listen to the Bible. Wow, we're gonna make... Do you remember that we have God with us? He is the one empowering us. We have superpower. It is God who goes into the hearts ahead of us and prepares the soil for the gospel. It is God who is the one who gives us the words. It is God who sets up the divine appointments. The question for us is, are we going to go? Are we going to stick around in our little place and not go and say, hey, come? Our heart is for Jesus. Our heart is in line with what he wants. His spirit is with us. Our success is assured, right? God can do it, which is the most exciting thing. And so, as we look at our EKG, as we read it, is our heart aligned with God's as the Christian Church of Estes Park? I want you to see this. Our heart is exactly where his heart is. And it should be. We need to come back time and time again and say, listen, are we about what God is about? Yes. And if our heart is there as a church, that means that our hearts as individuals as parts of the church need to be there as well. And that's the one thing that I can't tell you from the pulpit. Is where is your heart? Is your heart in line with the heartbeat of Christ? Are you living for the things that God told us to live for? Is, is his commission your commission? Right? Are you committed to going? Are you committed to living faith and bringing others to faith? Are you committing to help others learn how to obey Jesus more and more, just as you do? Because we're all in this together, and this is the way we're going to do it. So we need to start by being disciples. And that's where it begins. Now, that's where I want to talk about um, here at the end. I'm going to have the worship team come up as I, as I talk about this. But inside of your, your, your bulletin, there's two things I want you to get out. The first one is this card. I'm so excited about this. This is called Surviving Life. It's the Bible's how-to helps for overcoming life storms. Right? We are a year later from being washed away almost. And we say, how, away, how do we... Uh, overcome disaster, right? What, where is God in this? Where, where, you know, how do I overcome these storms of life? You know, the Bible really talks about these things. And we're launching a new series next week, which is all about that. It tells you about it on the back. It's pretty great. What we're going to be doing, instead of just saying this is what God says, we're actually taking biblical characters who have gone through those things, real people who have gone through those same storms of life, and saying, look how they walk through it, right? They are disciples, <laughs> How do they do it? So we can learn how to overcome those things as well. We're going to talk about some really big things. Disaster. We're going to have Noah, obviously, because, I mean, he lived through a disaster. Uh, finances, divorce, addiction, illness, injustice, and death. These are some of the biggest storms that most of our neighbors and friends and a lot of us have struggled with. If you are looking for a hope-filled, powerful series about how do you walk with Jesus, even in the midst of the hard times, that's uplifting and empowering, this is, this, you want to come to this, right? Now, being a disciple is learning how to obey him in all things, even in these things, which is why we're doing this. Part of doing that is I encourage you to be uh, engaged in a life group. We've got a couple of groups that are ready to go. Um, we may need more, but what I need you to do, if you're wanting to be part of a life group, uh, on that white table there, just to sign up so that way Larry can know this is who we have so we can figure out uh, what groups we need to form and uh, which groups are, are filled. And so it's an important thing. But we, for seven weeks, should be meeting once a week with other Christians talking about the Bible's passages and how to obey Christ in the midst of all these things. Also, 
Do you know that you're not the only ones that struggle with these things? Our friends and neighbors and even not Christians struggle with things like uh, disaster and finances and divorce and all of these things. If you have somebody that you know that uh, may be struggling with anxiety or fear or guilt or shame or something that's going through one of these, and this would be an awesome opportunity for you to get to invite them. And so we made up these little postcards so they could see what's happening. It invites them. You can say, listen, would you come to church with me as we talk about this? There may be some hope in God's word for you. Right? Just one more way of being able to equip you to go into your people, to, to the, your friends' and family's lives. And so that's what that is all about. So please take that. Now that remind, that brings up this last bit. We're going to take our offering in just a second. But as before we do, I want you to look at this card because I'm going to give you an offering of your time and of, your, of yourself and uh, some things. What do you do with this? Um, how, do we, how, how do we respond? Well, on the back of this card, um, there are some ideas, some commitments you can make to, to fulfilling this commission in your own life or at least taking that next step. The first one might be memorizing Matthew 20, 18 through 20, right? The Great Commission. Why? Let it be on your heart and your mind, right? What we think about oftentimes directs what we do. So think about what God wants us to have. Memorize that. Meditate on it. Maybe that's what you need to commit yourselves to. Or maybe it's this. Read a chapter in Acts each day. Why? Because Acts is the story of how the church grew. You want to see how God took 12 guys and turned it into uh, this amazing revival of life throughout an entire empire? Read the book of Acts. That's what God is doing. You want to see how he works? Maybe that's what you need to do. Every day, just say, I'm going to read a chapter. It's, It's fascinating or maybe here maybe it's to uh, pray for God's heart for you for our church and for our community maybe you're looking at yourself you're saying hey Aaron that sounds great I know I should want to do that but I really don't I'm, I'm exhausted I'm tired I'm overwhelmed by my own life and I'd love to engage in that but that just seems too much but I know I should have that heart and if that's you maybe that's what you say you know what God give me your heart give me your heart for my church give me your heart for my community. Give me your heart for my life. And God will do it. He'll do that work in here and that's part of being a disciple. Right? Or maybe it's to invite someone to join you for that Surviving Life series. To say, you know what? I know somebody. I'm going to go to them and I'm going to give them the good news of Jesus. Maybe that's what you need to commit to. Maybe there's something else. Write that down. Let us know because I will be praying for you. Or maybe you just have a prayer request. A way that we can be assisting you right now, asking the God who is with us and in us, the Holy Spirit who who directs us, He can help you. And so if you have a prayer request, put that down and we'll be praying for you this week. What I want you to do is put those, as you mark those down, in just a second when we take our offering, drop those in the offering as you make those commitments. All right. Well, let's pray for those as we uh, wrap this portion of the service up. Heavenly Father, you are good and a powerful and a mighty God. And uh, Lord, you've given us a mission which is so great you didn't just say hey exist you you told us to do something and father i'm excited about it and lord even more than just the fact that you told us to do something you've promised that you're going to be with us in it and that really the work the, the power to do it and the success comes from you and how great is that so father by faith let us let us serve you by faith let us go out boldly and to preach your gospel with our lives as well with our words. Father, let us represent you and to be those ambassadors that just implore those that, that we live around to, to to be reconciled to you, to live as your ambassadors, but more than that, to be your disciples. So Father, we pray today, we're going to make commitments. We ask that you would help draw us closer to you and to your heart in this. 
Let us trust and have faith that you're going to empower us, that you're going to equip us, Father, that you are going to be the one that, uh, that is going to uh, help us in this good work. And God, we want you to be glorified. We do. We want everyone to know in this community that there is a God who is real, there's a God who loves them, there's a God who came in the form of Jesus Christ that we could get to know who he is. And Father, that they could be saved by your grace through faith just by trusting in what Jesus has done for them. Help us do that, Father. And Lord, we also pray for the offerings and the gifts and the tithes that are being given today freely and out of faith. We pray, Father, that you would bless them, magnify them to, to reach this community in a more powerful way. But we also pray that you would bless those that give joyfully and to prove that you're the God uh, above even finances. Lord, we thank you that you're real and that you do these things. And so we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.